Ah, so you're one of those types. You got to go all the way back to episode one and work your way through the archive. Hi, I'm Diane, and I am the creator, the editor, the producer, and the host of History Goes Bump. This is me talking to you from September of 2020, and we're about to celebrate six years of production. A lot has changed in the last six years, and I want to brace you for some of those changes, because some of them are pretty major. First, what you're about to listen to in this first episode is really rough. We didn't know what we were doing, we had really bad equipment, and I had no idea how to edit audio. It does get better and better until it gets as crisp as what you're listening to right at this moment. So give us a chance if you don't like the audio in the beginning. Also, I thought when I started this podcast, it would be best with two people hosting it. So I asked my wife at the time, Denise, to join me, and she did. But don't get too attached to her because life happens and we end up getting a divorce. So there will be a brief time where I'm going to be hosting all by myself. And then I bring on board Kelly, who is my new partner in life. I encourage everybody who starts back here in the archives to also listen to the most recent episodes for a few reasons. Number one, I want you to see how much we've improved, how the format has changed, and I want you to keep abreast of some of the things that we're doing that are recent activities, like meetups, virtual Zoom parties, cemetery bingo, and other things that are happening more currently. Plus, if you join us in the Spooktacular crew over on Facebook, I want you to hear us welcome you. So please make sure to listen to the most recent episodes while you're working your way through the archive. Also, we love to get your suggestions for haunted places, but before you do that, we've done a ton, hundreds of locations at this point. So go to Google or whatever search engine you use, put in the location that you would like us to do, and History Goes Bump, and if we've done an episode on it, it will pop up and you'll be able to listen to it. If you don't find one, please email us at historygoesbump at gmail.com and suggest it to us. And if through listening to this show, you think, wow, I really, really love this podcast. I wish there was some way I could help them. You can. We are mostly listener supported. We do have a few ads here and there, but we're mostly listener supported. So we'd love to have you join us in doing that. You can go over to our website at historygoesbump.com, hit the support the show tab, and you can support us either through Patreon or PayPal. It's real easy through PayPal. You just go to paypal.me forward slash historygoesbump. You can send us a one-time donation or you could set up to give us a monthly donation. Everybody who gives gets a little something back, and for those of you who give at higher tiers, you get bonus material. So not only do you have around 400 episodes here in the free feed, we have almost, I think, 200 in the bonus episodes. So there's a lot of content for you to listen to. Also want to let you know, we don't do any cussing on this show, and it is family-friendly. I say that listeners can range anywhere from 10 years old to 100. And we even have a few listeners that are age six and above. So this is a podcast that you can sit down and listen to as a family. Some episodes are more creepy than others because we're going to bring to you the truth. We're not going to make up a bunch of stories. If you enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a review. And please join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at History Ghost Bump. Now, without further ado, welcome to History Ghost Bump. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. 
Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to the first episode of the History Goes Bump podcast. <laughs> Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. That was cute, real cute. Hi, everyone. I am your host, Diane, and this is your fabulous co-host, Denise. Hey there, everybody. Welcome. We are so excited to be uh, launching this brand new podcast. We're hoping that you guys are going to enjoy it. It's exactly what the tagline is, Ghost Tours for the Theater of the Mind. The Theater of the Mind is, of course, radio or, in modern times, the Internet, And I don't know how many of you have ever gone out on ghost tours, but they're a lot of fun. We happen to really love doing them. But there's a lot of places you can't go to. Maybe you don't have the means or the time off to go travel to a lot of places, but you still would like to take a tour there. So what we're hoping to do with this podcast, our goal is to take you to a lot of these locations and take you on a quote-unquote virtual ghost tour. Now, before we get started with today's show, which is going to be featuring the Ripley's Auditorium in St. Augustine, Florida, I thought we'd tell you a little bit about ourselves. Hi, I'm Diane. I am the founder of History Goes Bump, the main host of the podcast. In the past, I produced and hosted the Freedom's Wing Show, which was a political live internet radio show for five years. Won a couple of awards doing that. Really enjoyed doing it, but I got sick of politics for obvious reasons. And, uh, So I decided to go ahead and endeavor to do something a little bit different. Took a year off and then developed this idea. I myself am a taphophile. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's somebody who likes to go hang out in cemeteries. And no, that doesn't make me weird. It's just I love how peaceful cemeteries are, and a lot of them are very beautiful. So I like to do that kind of thing. I'm also a Disney villain supporter. So uh, I don't necessarily like to see them win because... You know, evil does get conquered by good most of the time, but I do enjoy my villains. So you might hear about them occasionally here on the show. I also obviously love history and I love the paranormal. Hello, everyone. This is Denise, your co-host, and I do want to again say welcome. I don't want to say that I got roped into doing this show, but yeah, I kind of got roped into doing this show. But not so much. I, unlike Diane, am not really fond of microphones, so this is a stretch for me. Although anybody who knows me knows I have the gift of gab. When I'm gabbing to a microphone, it gets a little bit different. So it's time to stretch my horizons, and I'm really excited to do the show. It started out, I'm not as much of a ghost girl as Diane was, but when we would travel around, I love historical tours. And so she wanted to start doing some of the ghost tours, and I thought, oh, what the heck, it would be fun. And I found it was really fun to go on the ghost tours because you get the history, but it's a little bit more of the intrigue behind the city, some of the scandalous things that happen, and the stories that maybe aren't so well told on your regular historical tour. So I found I was really enjoying them. I still have not had a major experience, and if I do, that might be the end of my ghost tours, but we'll see. Um, I, too, am a lover of Disney, so you will find that similarity with myself and Diane. However... Although I love everything Disney, I tend to go for the princesses rather than the villains. 
So you, you'll find through this podcast that there's a little bit of yin and yang with myself and Diane. Other than all of that, I do love to spend my free time kicking and punching. I teach Taekwondo, and I've also been a practitioner for over 30 years. And so that's been a huge part of my life and one of my very, very strong passions. So I hope some of my students, instructors, fellow Taekwondo practitioners are out there as well. I'd love to have everybody who wants to be here. And I know that she won't brag on herself, but she is a seventh degree master black belt. And so that's a little bit of who I am. I love Disney, love Taekwondo. And I'm excited to talk to my new audiences about all the experiences we have and the ones that you might have that you share with us. One of the things I used to love to do on my show, the Freedom's Wing show, is do a special Halloween show. And that's kind of what gave me the idea for going ahead and branching off into doing this kind of a podcast, because it was so much fun to just get away from everything that's going on in the world. I mean, you flip on the news And it's just a lot of bad news out there. So we're hoping not only to entertain you, but maybe to take you away from all that for just a little bit. One of the ways you can help us to do that is to give us some feedback. Let us know what you like about the show, what you'd like to have change about the show, what you'd like to hear about. We're covering all different kinds of historic locations, events, and people. So maybe there's a particular person that you'd like to hear about that you've heard haunts certain areas, or maybe you don't know, are they haunting places? And you'd like to know that. So let us know. Uh, Our email is historygoesbump at gmail.com. And if you check out our website, it's got the hookups for everything you could possibly want to know about the show or ways to connect with the show. That's at historygoesbump.blogspot.com. And on the right-hand column, there's a whole bunch of links there from where you can hook up to getting subscriptions to the actual podcast to joining our community at Google+, to finding the Facebook page, where the Twitter feed is, you name it, all of it's right there. You just click on that. We'd love to have you like the show, follow the show, and we pay attention to that stuff. We're not going to be these outside people who don't write you back when you email us or don't follow you back on Twitter or don't pay attention to things that you might be commenting over at Facebook We want to be interactive with you guys. That's one of the hard things about doing a podcast is being interactive. I was used to doing my internet show live, and so I had a live chat room, and it was easier to have a lot of back and forth that way. So this is a way for us to be back and forth there as well. So again, please let us know what you think over at historyghostbump.blogspot.com, either with your comments there. Or you can email us at historygoesbump at gmail.com. Now, we do have different segments that we're doing for the show. We hope you enjoy them. We thought we'd like to focus on whatever happened to be going on in this day in history. And also some of the odd history out there. Since we're going to be talking about Ripley's on this podcast, there was a Ripley radio show. And it was called The Oddcast. And they had about 200 shows. And then a few weeks ago... They decided to stop broadcasting and they were getting almost a million downloads at least a month. So I was like, wow, if you're getting that many downloads and you're going to quit, I was so bummed and I really enjoyed the show. So we're hoping that throwing in a little bit of odd history will kind of bring up that spirit of Ripley's. Turn out the lights. The party's just getting started. Welcome to this moment in Oddity History. And in our Oddity Moment today, we're featuring the Great Serpent Mound, which can be found in southern Ohio. 
This area was first discovered in 1847. A couple of amateur archaeologists by the name of Ephraim Squire and Edwin Davis surveyed the twisting site and found it to be 1,348 feet long. And most parts of the serpentine structure measure around three feet high. It goes from one to five feet. Not only did the serpent mount get its name from its curved body, but the mount also has a head that is snake-like, and it appears to be swallowing an egg. Some people claim the egg-like symbol is really an eclipse. The area beneath the mound is hollow in several places. It's thought that the Serpent Mound was built by either the Adena people who walked the earth from 800 BC to 100 AD, or the Fort Ancient people who existed in 1070 AD. And that the hollow areas underneath the Serpent Mound may be caves that they lived in or burial chambers of some sort. Not only is the structure off, but its reasons for being built are strange and mysterious as well. Is it a map of constellations? Does it keep track of calendar events like the solar and lunar schedules? New Age groups think it's an intergalactic portal. Whatever it is, it certainly is odd. You're listening to History Goes Bump! introduces revolutionary Model T car that some call Tim Lizzie. The car could travel at 45 miles per hour. The Model T was light and durable and could travel 25 miles on a gallon of gas, which is comparable to even modern-day cars. A hallmark of the car was its affordability. For the first time, it was possible for every middle-class family to own a car. Henry Ford wrote in his book, My Life and Work, I will build a car for the great multitude. It will be large enough for the family, but small enough for the individual to run and care for. It will be constructed of the best materials, by the best men to be hired, after the simplest designs that modern engineering can devise. But it will be so low in price that no man making a good salary will be unable to own one, and enjoy with his family the blessing of hours of pleasure in God's great open spaces. Fifteen million Model Ts rolled off the assembly line before Ford decided that the vehicle was obsolete and discontinued its production in 1927. So this evening, our focus is on a very uh, fun and creepy location in St. Augustine, Florida. And I have to tell you, we love St. Augustine. St. Augustine is one of my absolute favorite places because where can you go for great history, Great ghost stories and lots and lots of shopping, not to mention the homemade popsicles. I tell you, this is a great city. If you like a lot of um, kids shops, just little places, jewelry, you name it, they've got all kinds of stuff there. You could get lost all day wandering in and out of the shops there. The other fun thing that they do there is they have trolley tours. Uh, there's two of them specifically, and we've done both of them, and I would say either one is fine. If you have time or maybe you go back more than once, 
try doing each of them because they, they have different things that they like to focus on, but they both pretty much go to the same locations. And I recommend doing it not only because the locations that they hit in town are pretty spread out, but you get a fun history as you're going from one place to the next. You can get off wherever you want, get back on at the next stop or right there again. It's just great. They have the old town trolley and then they have the little red train. And that is the one that actually is produced and hosted by Ripley's. So that's that's a really fun one, and it would definitely go with our show. First of all, we thought we should start off telling you just a little bit about the history in St. Augustine, Florida. We're not going to get into a huge one because I can guarantee you we've been to a lot of places in St. Augustine. Most of them are haunted. So we're going to be focusing on a lot of different uh, St. Augustine locations. So we'll go ahead and just start off talking a little bit about the history of St. Augustine. St. Augustine is thought to be one of the most haunted cities in all of America. Its long history probably accounts for the fact that along with large amounts of people who died in the city from yellow fever, pirate attacks, and war, the city has existed for over 440 years. It was founded in 1565, making it one of the oldest cities in both North and South America. It is America's oldest city. The city took its name from the day upon which the city was founded by Pedro Menendez de Aviles, the Festival of San Augustine. Today it is a city rich in history and filled with quaint shops, which we have enjoyed perusing and perusing and perusing. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. Denise does like to spend money. <laughs> and now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. In the heart of what I would call the main area of St. Augustine is this very peculiar building. What did you think of the uh, Ripley's Museum when you first saw it, Denise? Creepy. It's kind of cool because it's basically a modern day, very small castle. So it's not like, you know, we're here in central Florida. So we're used to seeing a particular Cinderella Castle at a particular park here in Central Florida. So when you're thinking castle, sometimes that's what you're focusing on. But the castle that is what houses Ripley's Auditorium now is interesting because of the different ways in which it's been built that are features that you would see on a castle. It's, to me, an amazing building. You know, Denise, one of the things that I've noticed in our modern era is that architecture is really boring. I mean, modern stuff has some interesting lines, but when you look at people's homes, what do you think? What? You mean you don't like boxes? Exactly. It's like everything's a cardboard cutout of each other. You know, in our neighborhood here, they're, they're different sized homes, but they're all pretty much the same, made of the same kind of material. But, you know, if you think back when you go into some of these old neighborhoods that still are standing, especially in St. Augustine, it is amazing the different types of architecture you'll see. You know, you might go from Victorian to a medieval castle to something that's a little bit more like a, a Cracker Jack type house, something of that nature. So to see this building, it's just it's amazing. It's located at 19 San Marco Avenue, and this San Marco Avenue is where a lot of the historical locations for St. Augustine are located. So if you're driving up and down that street, you're going to see a lot of stuff. The building was originally called the Castle Warden because obviously it looks like a castle and 
It's named for the man who built the Moorish Revival Castle, complete with merlons and wide archways, in 1887. That man was William G. Warden. He was a business partner of a couple of names that you probably are familiar with if you know history. And anybody who's watched History Channel's The Men Who Built America, John D. Rockefeller is a name I'm sure you're very familiar with. And if they did a special on the man who built Florida, Henry M. Flagler would be that name. This man literally built Florida. So these were both partners with William G. Warden. Warden was an oil man, and he founded the Standard Oil Company with Rockefeller which was basically the start of all of the oil business that's been out here in America. And he did that after he built the successful Warden Fruit and Company Crude Oil Company. So he was good at doing this kind of thing. He also was, like a lot of rich men out there, a philanthropist. And he did it in a very unique way for his time. Because if you think he's building this castle back in 1887, well, just down the road, he built the Warden Academy School for Blacks. So that was pretty unique at that time. He was worth over a million dollars at the time of his death. And his estate still is worth a lot of money. And I literally saw, I think it was a couple years ago, his family was actually suing each other to try to get different parts of his estate. So one of those things that happens when people are rich, I guess you could say. The original Castle Warden design featured 23 rooms. Now, that might sound like a lot until you realize that he had a family of 16. Family members lived in the mansion until 1926. It stood vacant for a number of years, except for the occasional vagrants that would hang out there. Then in 1941, Pulitzer Prize winning author Marjorie Kinnon Rawlings and her husband Norton Baskin bought the place and renovated it into a hotel. They dubbed the place Castle Warden Hotel. Things went well for several years, but in 1944, tragedy struck and some future ghostly activity. (laughs) And what I'm going to do is turn the mic over to my fabulous co-host who apparently thinks she's haunting this podcast, and she's going to tell you just one of the stories about the hauntings at Ripley's Auditorium. So the story that we've heard about is what happened in 1944, and it's as followed. A certain politician who had been dubbed Mr. X did what many politicians do. He took on a mistress. Her name was her name was Betty Neve Richeson, and she was in her 20s. Betty was staying in room 17, while Mr. X was in room 13. <laughs> now who's haunting the podcast? At some point during the middle of the night, a fight ensued. Perhaps Mr. X was trying to break things off, and Betty threatened blackmail. Mr. X choked Betty to death and placed her body in a dry bathtub. While this is happening, there's another female guest in the hotel staying in the penthouse. She is Ruth Hopkins Pickering, a 49-year-old woman friend of the owner's. She apparently is in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mr. X sets fire to the building to cover up the murder of Betty, and Ruth is trapped above the flames. Both women are thought to have died in the fire, but the truth is that Betty was already dead. Mr. X flees the scene, but he seems to have returned in death. More on this later. Dun, dun, dun. Da, 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 da. So, since this is Ripley's Auditorium, we probably should tell you a little bit about 
Robert Ripley. He was born in 1890 and eventually became one of the most famous men in America and in all the world, frankly. At one time, he received more mail than Santa Claus, if you can believe that. Santa Claus? Yes. That's crazy talk now. Yes, Virginia, I know. He he was a handball champion, but his interest soon changed to the odd. And with the help of funding from William Randolph Hearst, Ripley traveled around the world building his collection of odd items. He detailed his findings in the newspaper cartoon pages with the Believe It or Not panels. Ripley was not only an amateur anthropologist and collector of the strange, he also was a talented cartoonist. Not a lot of people know, but those early Believe It or Not panels, he actually drew them. The cartoon was fabulously popular, and I mean, it had like 16 million readers. It was amazing. And it also helped to launch the career of, believe it or not, Charles Schultz, when Believe It or Not published the first Peanuts comic. Ripley had stayed several times at the Castle Warden Hotel and absolutely loved the place. I mean, first of all, who wouldn't? But you're thinking Robert Ripley likes the strange, so why wouldn't he like a castle-like hotel in the middle of Florida? He tried several times to buy the place, but he was rebuffed every time. Unfortunately, Ripley died young at the age of 58 in 1949. His estate followed the pursuit to acquire the building and was successful in 1950. So soon after that, Ripley's Believe It or Not auditorium opened with the fascinating design of hallways and rooms featuring over 800 exhibits. Nearly every strange thing one can think of can be found here, from shrunken heads to ancient artifacts to reproductions of some of the strangest people. There are even a giant erector-set Ferris wheel that turns in the center of one of the rooms. But this building houses more than just creepy and strange seen things. There is much unseen here as well. It is believed that there are over 18 active entities in the museum. The three most talked about and experienced are Betty, Ruth, and Mr. X. If you decide to take the ghost train tour that is hosted by Ripley's Museum, you actually will get to go into the museum and take a tour there with the lights quite low. And Denise and I decided to do that. Now, it does take you to a lot of other of the locations around town and to the cemetery and and that kind of thing. But this was the crowning moment of the entire tour. They give you little EMF detectors and they're, you know, they look kind of like cheapy plastic things, but they did occasionally blip and and do something if you believe in that kind of stuff. We weren't really there to do any ghost hunting. That's not our thing. But we had a really good time doing this. What did you think of going inside? First of all, going inside Ripley's during the day, what do you think? Ripley's during the day is a very weird place to be. So what do you think? Denise, when you turn the lights off and only have a few, you know, dim lights here and there. I'm thinking, good thing I love my wife because this is freaking me out. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been in such a freaky place in my life. And we've been in a lot of haunted locations, but there's just something about being around all of this really odd stuff and having no light. Of course, everything is throwing its weird shadows. And for those of you who haven't been inside the museum... They have these life-size, I don't know if you'd call them statues or mannequins or whatever you'd call them, but you've all seen the, the crazy carnival type things that you might see, the, you know, the lizard man or alligator man or just some of those weird, I guess, sort of kind of humans that have done weird things to their bodies. Now imagine you've got these life-size 
mannequin-like things that are in the dark there as well. It's just a very, very creepy feeling. You know, we said that it has these 18 entities, but the main ones that they focus on, of course, are Betty Ruth and Mr. X. Those are the ones that you hear a lot about. And on an upper floor, there's this room that they take you into. They believe this is the room that Mr. X killed Betty in. And apparently this is the room that he was staying in because there's a theater area where they'll show you a brief little film. And that was part of what had been Betty's room. And, and occasionally they think they've seen her shadowy figure in there, caught her on camera and that kind of thing. So apparently she had gone to his room and he had killed her there. Now, he didn't die here at Ripley's. So the fact that he's there, we're not sure why. Or, you know, even if it is really him, we're not quite sure what any of this stuff is to be honest with you. And anybody who says they're an expert on the paranormal and knows exactly what everything is, is either lying or fooling themselves. Let's, for the sake of argument, pretend that this really is Mr. Exits there. It must just be that there was this experience that happened there where he committed this murder that was passionate and uh, full of rage, that that's where he went back. I don't know if it's a sentence or if it's just the energy that was built up there, but that energy for sure is still there. And obviously, since it was built on this passionate rage, it's very negative. Not to mention, when Ripley's came in and was uh, redoing the place, this room in particular, they'd found a pentagram or something on the ground. And in the middle of the room, they have this pyramid type. Um, it's like a crystal pyramid. So it's already kind of creepy with having that in the middle there. They call this room the vortex room because there's a lot of energy that comes in and out of there, they believe. Mr. X has been both seen and felt in this room. And by felt, what do we mean? <laughs> a lot of times when people are in that room, um, they'll feel a choking sensation like somebody's trying to strangle them. Think back to the story. Hmm. Yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, he choked Betty to death. So now, uh, you know, whether this is some kind of re residual activity but it is able to interact, and usually residual activity does not interact with its surrounding. It's almost like a tape that's just playing and people are seeing it. So this is something that's actually affecting people. And our tour guide, she didn't really care to stay in that room for very long. She seemed nervous about being in there. She's had experiences in there. I think everybody who's worked there has had experiences there. Now, we didn't feel anything personally, but we actually did have an experience in that room that was not related to us personally, but there was a family who was standing right next to us. Actually, there was two experiences because the first thing that happened as the tour guide was talking, one of the young men who was probably about, oh, I don't know, 10 or 11, all of a sudden he was like, I feel kind of creepy right now. I feel, I feel weird. And, you know, he didn't really, he wasn't able to really describe what that feeling was, but he just kept saying he felt weird. So we're, we kind of chalked that one off as, you know, as he just, kind of playing along with the story or, you know, power of suggestion. So we didn't think much. But then there was a family that Diane had just mentioned, and they had a, a small child with them, probably about two years old. And all of a sudden, we're in the room, and she's talking, and he starts coughing. And then the, the mom kind of gets the coughing to go away, and then he starts coughing again. And he just, like, would not stop coughing while we while we were standing there. And the mom finally kind of walked him out of the room. And he stopped coughing as soon as they got out into the hallway. And so we thought, okay, you know, mom took him out, got him calmed down or whatever. But it was just kind of odd that as soon as they left the room, the little, the little baby, the infant, um, the two year old had quit coughing. 
So I was just a little bit curious. So we went up and actually asked the mom, Diane and myself, we said, you know, does he have a cold? Has he been coughing at all today? And the mom says, no, there's been no coughing today except for in that room. And she goes, that just kind of weirded me out a little bit. So I left. Yeah, uh, we were definitely freaked out. I don't know if anybody else who was in our tour group had noticed it because nobody else went up to them. And the tour guide didn't go up to him either, which I would have thought she'd go up and and ask them as well. It could have been a coincidence that there's this toddler sleeping on his dad's shoulder who all of a sudden wakes up and starts coughing in a room where people get choked and have a hard time breathing. But I don't believe in coincidences. So, you know, it's up to you, believe it or not, as they say. Betty and Ruth are both seen as phantom women, and especially Ruth. Now, one of the stories that I've read on the internet, it's so hard when you're trying to investigate and research this stuff to get what is the real story. I'm believing that what we've told you is more the real story. Obviously, nobody's going to know because they didn't have cameras back then to uh, film what was going on in these hotels and things of that nature. And obviously, Mr. X wasn't talking and the ladies were dead. But it just didn't make any sense to me that he would kill Ruth, who was in a, on a totally different floor, because supposedly both the women were found in dry bathtubs with towels wrapped around their necks. I mean, to me, that would make me think that these women jumped in the bathtubs, covered their heads to try to save themselves from the fire. So, you know, either Betty was dead before or she was trying to keep away from getting burned to death. So uh, both those stories don't go together. So to me, common sense says that Ruth just happened to get burned up in the fire. This guy didn't care. Because the one thing that a lot of people have witnessed is Ruth up in the top floor, which is now basically the attic of the museum. There's no room up there or anything. I think they even have like air conditioning equipment up there now. They will see her in the window, waving out, trying to get out. So I don't know if that's a residual type thing, but you know, if they're seeing Ruth at the window and she's looking terrified or whatever, look like she needs some kind of help, well then obviously she wasn't killed by Mr. X and put in a bathtub. So that's how we believe that the story actually goes. So a lot of people see Ruth in the windows. Now there's other phantom women supposedly as well. We don't know about other deaths that took place in this home. So we don't know if some of the Warden family died between 1887 and 1926. And like I said, there was that period of time before the author bought the hotel and turned it in or bought the before the castle warden was bought and she turned it into a hotel who knows if you had some vagrants there um, some illegal activity going on people could have been murdered in the building because obviously these 18 entities have come from somewhere also keep in mind i don't know you know what you believe when it comes to things attaching themselves to certain artifacts but when you've got a museum full of strange and odd things Perhaps there's some stuff that has come with that as well. A Florida-based paranormal team, Peace River Ghost Trackers, have investigated the place, and they shared one of their pictures with us. Uh, Do have that up in the show notes for the show. If you just go over to historyghostbump.blogspot.com and look under the uh, show notes for today for the Ripley's Museum show, the picture is up there. And what you'll see is what looks like a ghostly apparition of a child sitting in a hallway that's right above the room where that giant erector set Ferris wheel that we mentioned earlier is located. So you can take a look at that and see what you think about that. So is this building really haunted? That's for you to decide. Again, I did want to mention that, um, like was said earlier, we really want your feedback. We don't just want to 
this to be about Diane and I just hanging out, telling you about ghost stories and, and things and talking about what's interesting to us. We really want us to become friends over the show that we'll get to know you all, that you'll get to know us better. And so any feedback you can provide, any stories that you have of different places, please email us, let us know so that we can incorporate you and your experiences into our show as we take off going through the ghost tours for the theater of the mind. Because we can't travel to all the places, but some of you have been there and we're not there yet. So we would love to hear from you. And so that email is historygoesbump at gmail.com. We've got a lot of fabulous guests lined up on our future podcasts. So we want to thank you for joining us for podcast number one and hope that you join us again in the future. You won't be sorry you did. And we hope that we've taken you on a little journey. When you go over to the website at historygoesbump.blogspot.com, one of the things that we will not be doing here is taking on sponsors or doing commercials, that kind of thing. But obviously it costs money for us to run the show. And so if you would like to show your appreciation, you can give us a little donation. Even if you don't have the means to give us a donation, the best way you can help the show is by sharing it. So we know you all are out there on different social media. Just put the show up somewhere. Share it with your friends. Let them know about it if you like it. If you don't like it, well, then maybe you should go meet Mr. X. (laughs) But anyway, we would love to have you guys at least share the show. Um, But if you want to drop us a couple bucks, you can do that over there, either using PayPal or we also have a Patreon page. And if you check out the Patreon page or even our uh, backers page that we have over there at the podcast, you'll see that in the future we're planning on doing contests, making certain things available to uh, people uh, that are a little bit extras that are thank yous. You'll never have to pay for the actual History Goes Bump podcast, but we do have some extras that'll be little rewards for people who do uh, show their appreciation to us in that kind of way. So we want to thank you guys for joining us for this first podcast. And until next time, take care. Be sociable, drop the chain rattling, neck biting, and shape shifting, and join us on Facebook and Twitter at History Goes Bump. Like the page and follow us.